amazing kind of with God time here on The Breakfast Show, which means we're about to get into our Bible study. And as we do so this morning, we have text messages to talk about and we have another clue for our quiz. You know, I thought that joke earlier uh-huh. was absolute gold. Well, Lyle, uh, frankly, I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> I, I I never want you to make. I any- just said, you know, we're three kings. There's, 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 stay tuned. There's murder come. Uh huh. And then you said goal, and then I said, frankly. Uh, anyways. Now we've explained our jokes, so it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyways, can you hit the wow, 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 wow button? Thank you, Shell. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue on with our next question for the quiz. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? 0491-064-669. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? If you know the answer to that one, you can go into the draw to win our amazing, incredible Conflict of the Ages box set. We want to give this to you for free. We want you to win this prize so badly because it will give you amazing information about the Bible. It's essentially a start-to-finish commentary of the entire Bible all the way up until the very end of time. 0491-064-669. Good stuff. Okay, going to text messages. We have this one coming through from Raphael, which says, from someone who can hardly swim a lap of an Olympic swimming pool, I am highly impressed with the channel Crossing Swimmers. We, Mm. we We all have been given different gifts. Let's make sure we use them or we will lose them. I, I want to say to you, Raphael, and um, I, I have become recently yes. a swimming coach. Yes. I've become a swimming yes. coach and we a running last week. and a running coach. I, actually, I took my Hit friend yesterday. Never, he's never, he's not a runner at all, never run. And, you know, we set out a pace and whatnot and went running together. And, dude, he, he knocked out 5Ks. Straight up, like it's not a, not a runner. But I've taken people to the point where they can't even swim ten meters, and they can they're doing a hundred meter sets. I Raphael, if school. you want to learn how to swim, swim have you want to learn how to swim in the English Channel? Because because the point Come that Raphael awesome. made, he's like, some people have gifts. No, everyone inside of them has the potential to swim. I believe. Actually, this- if you want to swim in the English Channel, you probably should go and. Um, you probably should go and rather than seeing Lawson, you should go and and um, train with Chloe McArdle down in Melbourne. But if you want to learn how to swim, because she just does laps, she, well, yeah, that's, that's across the, the English they, Channel. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm because I was thinking she's done it forty four times. You're like, oh, she just does laps. I'm like, oh yeah, I do laps, but she does laps across the, across the English Channel. The English Channel. That forty four times she's been across there. That is incredible. Yeah, guess what her longest swim was? What was from South Lu through Thera Island mm. to Nassau in the Bahamas. And how long was that? 125k. Unassisted with no stops. How long did it take her? <laughs> it, took her it took her 41 hours and 21 minutes. That is insane. So she obviously had a good current running. Uh-huh. And I'd say that, that she probably... That is so helpful. She, I'd say she mapped out that current beforehand, but yeah, definitely I just smashed any world record that's ever existed as far as long-distance swimming. She tried to swim from Cuba to Florida but got hit by box jellyfish multiple times. Ooh. Yeah, so they had to and she survived? And, yeah, she survived. That's good. Yeah. Got <laughs> rushed, rushed to the hospital in Florida. Yeah. That's swimming to Cuba from, isn't that risky though? Like, well, I guess she's a tourist. Yeah, well, there's lots of sharks and there's lots of jellyfish. And if she'd have worn a stinger suit, she might have done. And there's lots of Cubans who. 
Nah, Cubans are, Cuba is Cuba is so much on my bucket list of places to go visit. Yeah, but I just Cubans need, are awesome. Oh, but, but there's like heaps of people who try to defect from Cuba. And, yeah, and they swim across on on tire tubes and that kind of thing. Yeah, and then they get caught and thrown in jail, and it's terrible. Some of them do. A lot, like, like a lot of them do. Some of them drown, and some of them make it, and mm. some of them are found to be refugees, and some of them are found to be not refugees. Mm. Some of them are found to be prison escapees from Cuba. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, do you have more text messages there? Because I have some text okay, messages here. I've got all the text messages here. All right. So, uh, sneaky punny Lyle, will there be more of these? <laughs> I hope not. It's, Why? I'm I, just again. I know. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna play the Grinch. You were doing. You were doing puns there a minute ago. Yeah, but you know, force of habit. Anyway, Christopher says, "Thank you for your Ori prayers. We do, we buried our daughter yesterday. God bless you mm. all." And we prayed for Christopher last week, who lost his oldest daughter. He's one of our super fans here on uh, on 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 Faith FM, and he asked the question, "How does a tree shoot without hands?" Mm. I, I think somebody else is being a bit punny this morning. I well. I I have no idea. What yeah, that trees means. shoot all the time. Uh huh. Yeah, when they bud and so forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. shoot. shoots yeah. come out. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that's all of our text messages this morning, guys. Mm-hmm. Are kind of a little bit quiet this morning. We'd love to hear mm-hmm. from you guys. Would particularly love to hear from you guys in relationship to today's Bible study because it's it's one of those Bible studies that is controversial and shouldn't be mm-hmm. because. It's about the most patently obvious thing in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The people find, contra- and I just don't understand why they find it controversial. It's about the pre-advent judgment. Mm-hmm. So the pre-advent judgment is not about the first advent of Christ, which, of course, we will be um, thinking about in a couple of days' time when Christmas comes, but about the second advent of Christ when Jesus returns. And the idea is that... The Bible teaches that the judgment takes place before Jesus comes back. Mm. And that's a really simple concept. It's really too easy to understand. And it's the only concept in relationship to the judgment that actually makes any sense. Mm. So I, I don't even know why it's controversial. But anyway, we're going to look at some passages here. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9. Uh, sorry, Daniel chapter 7 to start off with. Daniel chapter 7. Mm. And we're going to read verse 9 to 14. So that's Daniel 7, verse 9 to 14. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 14. Just trying to flick there in my Bible. I mean, this is one of those things that is so incredibly clear. You know, if the Bible teaches there's such a thing as a judgment, it has to take place before it comes back. You can't you can't save some people and condemn others. Mm-hmm. And then having done that, Say well, okay. Now that we've we've saved some and condemned others, mm. let's sit down and have a judgment. Mm. Yeah, uh, that makes no sense. Reward is preceded by judgment. Sentencing is yes. preceded by judgment. Yes. Always, always, always. Or it is it is justly preceded by. Judgment. Even even we who are wicked human beings mm-hmm. and who can become incredibly corrupt at times, when this kind of a process takes place on Earth. It is universally recognised by both the perpetrators and the victims as being corruption. Mm. And God is not corrupt. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Absolutely. Uh, it says Dave, in I'll Daniel... I'll get, I'll get started on another rant here in a minute. Daniel 7 and verse 9, it says, I've watched as thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One sat down to judge. His clothing was white as snow. His hair was like purest wool. He sat on fiery thrones with blazing wheels of fire, and a river of fire pouring out following from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were open. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop there, stop there, stop there, stop there. What is continuing to take place while the judgment is taking place in this passage? So we see previous to this, this narrative, this story, Yes. Uh, this prophecy right. about these four beasts. That's it. And we know that these four beasts, they represent nations. This is prophecy talking about the future. And it says, okay, there's this nation of the fourth beast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this fourth nation. And we talk. It, it and a talks, little horn that comes out. And a little horn, which is seven and eight. Then in seven and eight talks about this nation, then the little horn, who are these, this another nation. So this is like mm-hmm. during the events of the world. And then in verse nine and 10, there's a beginning of the judgment. Yes. And then in verse 11, the nation, well, it says here specifically the, the little horn, is continuing to act. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, we conclude that the judgment must be going on at the same time in which nations on earth are present and existing, which is before Jesus comes back. Because the Bible makes it explicitly clear that after Jesus comes back, there is a complete destruction of the world and every nation that has ever existed is including the little horn and including mm-hmm. these beasts are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Whereas it seems here is that whilst judgment is going on, there is also this these nations the acting. The Antichrist is still doing his thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Yeah, so very simply what you've got is in verse, um, in verse 9 and 10, you have the judgment taking place. Mm-hmm. And then you go down to verse 11 and you have the Antichrist. While, while, while Daniel is watching the judgment take place, he is hearing the Antichrist doing Antichrist things mm. on earth. Mm-hmm. Jesus hasn't come yet. Mm-hmm. The judgment is happening. Jesus hasn't come yet. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 22. And we've got a bit of a passage over here. We're going to read Matthew chapter 22. And we'll start in verse 1. Matthew 22 and verse 1, where the Bible says, you can hear us furiously flicking through pages, Matthew 22 and verse 1. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls have been fattened, and the cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests had invi- had he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and even killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and to burn their towns. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't 
worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king gave, when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind this man his hands and feet and throw him to the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, so this is a really important parable right here in relationship to the judgment. And the the important part is this particular individual who turns up without a wedding garment. Mm. How did he get in without a wedding garment? Well... I guess you could say that um, he went in. Okay, so it's in, a little in what like sense? Let's, let's, in the okay, sense yeah, of the parable yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, or in right, the right, sense right. of the application let's, let's, let's of this parable? Say, let's take a mythological example. Uh-huh. Uh, and let's say that Lawson's getting married. <laughs> I love how you didn't even say hypothetical. You said mythological. <laughs> oh, my face hurts when I laugh. <laughs> um, okay, but let's make an example. Let's say that uh, at your wedding, uh-huh. you want to have a bit of a theme going. You want to do something different, maybe something that you know nobody's done before. And you're going to have a theme. And uh-huh. you say, this is the theme for the wedding. If you want to come to the wedding, you dress according to this theme. And you give mm-hmm. a, a, a dress code. It might be a colour. It might be a style. Um, it might be as simple as, um, you know, this is a fairly relaxed wedding, but no open-toed shoes for men. You know, you can't mm-hmm. turn up in your um, sandals yeah. or thongs, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be something as simple as that. And you would then give those instructions. You know, if this was something that you really cared about, you would give those instructions to the person at the door who checks off the names on the list to make sure mm. no gate crashes come in. So check off the names and check that they are fulfilling the dress code, mm. right? That way when your wedding photos are taken, you know, it kind of looks themed. Mm. I've never seen a wedding like that, but let's say that you do a wedding like that. There's um, no reason why you couldn't. Mm. It's a free world. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, if this person then comes in, let's say that you say we're going to have a white wedding and everybody wears white. So just mm-hmm. wear something white, you know, if you're woman wear a white dress if you're a guy wear a white shirt Mm. and you have somebody who turns up and they're wearing all black Mm. you know there's there's a guy there he's wearing a a a black a black shirt and black pants um and his black shoes and a black belt and he dyed his hair black and his his partner has gone for the classic you know black dress kind of Mm. thing which always looks classy Mm. How does that person get past your bouncer at the door? This is the question. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the answer, and this is what's important about this particular wedding. The reason this person can get past the bouncer at the door is because the bouncer at the door can't see what they're wearing mm-hmm. because the bouncer at the door are the servants that mm-hmm. the king has sent out to gather in the guests, mm-hmm. right? And they've gathered this guy in and he's wearing all black. Mm-hmm. The reason he gets in is because they can't see that he's wearing all black. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for the servants. Okay, so who are the servants? The servants are anyone who is called by God to go and share the gospel message. Mm-hmm. 
when you go out to share the gospel message and you share the gospel message with somebody, as you've done many times, and they say, yes, I'm going to give my life to God, mm. do you know that they truly have? You can, you can, you can never 100% know. No. Can, you, can you sit up the back of your church and fold your arms, put a pious look on your face, and then start pointing out the people in church like, we tear, we tear. <laughs> can, can you do that in your church? No. No, you can't. Mm. And the reason that you can't is this. Now, there are things like open sin. We can't hide open sin. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about open sinners right here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, open sinners can't hide their lack of, their lack of conversion. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about people who are making a, a gen, you know, an apparently genuine profession for Christ. Mm-hmm. You can't sit up the back of the church and decide who's saved and who's lost mm-hmm. because you can't read the human heart. Mm-hmm. And that's why you've got people who go into the wedding wearing the white righteousness of Christ mm-hmm. and you have somebody who comes in wearing all black mm-hmm. and they get let in by the servants who've gone out to bring the people in mm-hmm. because the servants can't actually see that. Mm-hmm. But God can. And when God comes in, what is his purpose? God comes in, the Bible says, to see the guests. Mm. Why is he coming in to see the guests? The reason that he's coming in to see the guests is because he's coming to see if anyone is there without a wedding garment. Mm. That is the process of judgment. Yeah. Not only is it a process of judgment, but it is a process of investigation. Mm-hmm. This is an investigative judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why does God do have the investigative judgment? What's the, what's the purpose behind having an investigative judgment? Did God not know? Did God, you know before the people were invited, did God not know who was saved and who was lost? You know, yeah. is, is this going to inform God about something? And this is something we touched on yesterday. Good, uh, I'm glad you did. And I we, wasn't here. we talked about like the well, – well, essentially – as we were we were just considering the fact that God does not need to have a judgment for Himself, because in God can already see the outcome of everything. God God can see people's decisions. God can read the heart. God knows what choices people have made, and God knows, as we've been talking about here, God knows which garment people are wearing. Um, God is omnipotent and omnipresent and all around all the time. Like, you know, this story of the, the parable of the, the wedding garment, you know, of, of the wedding, you know, it's like saying, oh, ma- imagine if God was a wedding master, but God isn't a wedding master. Uh, God is God. He absolutely yes. knows. And so, we you know, the purpose of investigation isn't for the sake of God because he knows it's for the sake of everyone else. Including yourself. Absolutely. Uh, because God can come in and God can see. Sorry for butting me. God right. can see. This guy doesn't have a wedding garment on. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the universe can go, what? Wait, really? Mm-hmm. That guy doesn't have a wedding garment mm-hmm. on. And God can go, yeah, okay, let me show you the record. Because mm-hmm. they can't see, you can't see, I can't see, but God can see mm-hmm. and God has the record. Yeah, that's such a good point because we are given Christ's righteousness today. Yes, and it's you know we we uh, can conclude that that will be like we will receive an actual real garment when we're in heaven like we will be clothed with the righteousness of Christ literally but we receive that forgiveness and and that justification we receive that today absolutely but I can't see that with my eyes 
and neither can even angels. I, and like, like all we can see uh, is is people. And it, yeah, it's up to God to reveal the the outcome of this investigation to the world, and for, for the purpose of transparency, so that we can absolutely know why. So there's two, two, two issues that are patently obvious right here. Number one is that there's a judgment that takes place before the return of Christ. And number two, there is an investigative process. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to continue in our Bible study. Before we do, Lawson's going to bring us another question for our quiz. Complete the phrase. Every city or house divided against itself shall not blank. 0491-064-669. Really try to keep this one in and, and not give away the answer. Every city or house divided against itself shall not blank. 0491-064-669. Of course, we've got to remind you our amazing prize this week is the Conflict of the Ages Bible Study Companion Set. These are incredible commentaries going from literally before creation to after the second coming into eternity, talking about all the events that happened in that time uh, biblically and why they're important for us to to know today. Again, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And that question was, complete the phrase, every city or house divided against itself shall not blank. All right, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 1. Love it when we go to get to go to the book of Revelation for our Bible study. Revelation 11 verse 1. What does this teach us about the judgment right here? Lawson. Then I was given a measuring stick and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshippers. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me read it from my translation. Lars, <laughs> <laughs> well, like the, the cogs are turning. I was like, like, huh? Just No. There was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and the worshippers. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't say anything about counting the worshippers. It says measure the worshippers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's going on when God measures you? Does God want to know what your height is, what your stats are, <laughs> how much you weigh? <laughs> is this what's happening right here? Is, 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 is God coming along and saying, Yeah, Lawson's, you know, Built for athletics or something or other. Um, is, is this what is happening here when the Bible talks about you being measured in the context of the temple? Mm. In fact, you've got the temple being measured and then you have people measured beside the temple. So mm. what's the temple going to t- tell us about God? Well, the temple represents God's process of salvation. Yes. How he saved people, which yes. is through the sacrifice of his son, yes. Jesus Christ. And it tells us about his character. Mm-hmm. So you measure the temple first, mm-hmm. and then you measure the people in connection with the temple. Mm-hmm. So if you measure the temple, there's your, there's your standard. So that's going to, you know, it's a little bit like when you are setting up some scales mm-hmm. and you want to... Um, you know, or, or using some calipers, and you always mm. put them back to zero. Using mm. digital calipers, you always put them back to zero before you measure anything. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're creating your standard. So you measure the temple, you create your standard. Okay, this is the character of God. This is what we see here in the temple. We have the character of God revealed in the temple. Mm-hmm. Now having men- measured the temple, we're going to measure the altar. The Bible specifically mentions the altar mm-hmm. because that's where Jesus died on Calvary, mm-hmm. and that's the greatest example of the character of God. Mm-hmm. And now we will take that measurement and compare it to the measurement of the people. Mm-hmm. How do you think you would go? Uh, well, I alone will be found wanting in the judgment. But short. Yeah. A long way short. Absolutely. Yes, a long yes. way short of the character of God. Mm-hmm. But you with Christ because you've got the temple mm-hmm. and then you've got the altar in between. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Your, your translation just loses the beauty of this whole object mm-hmm. lesson that the Bible's trying to give us here. So you measure the temple and then you go to the altar and you measure the altar. What happened at the altar? Jesus died. Jesus died. And then having measured the altar, now measure the worshippers. Mm-hmm. And what is your standard of measurement? Well, according to the altar. It's it's your standard of measurement is now the sacrifice of mm. Jesus. Mm. So when you measure the people, they are measured in the context of the altar. They are measured in the context of the sacrifice of Jesus. They are measured in the context of being covered by the blood of Jesus, mm. and when you're measured that way, how do you fare? Well, I have assumed the righteousness of Christ, and by doing that, I will be saved. Absolutely. You fared mm. just fine. Mm. And this is one of the reasons why when we get to heaven and in the new earth, you can read the record of my life. Mm. I don't mind. You can read, you know, you, you'll be happy like, yeah, here's the record of my life. Mm. You know, here's the book. Open it up. Have a look. Mm. Because the only thing that will be recorded there then will be the righteous things that Jesus did. Mm. Everything else is blotted out by his blood. Wow. And so this is why you've got, you know, the temple with the altar in between the people. Mm. This is why you've got the Shekinah glory with the mercy seat in between Mm. the law. This is why you've got God looking through Jesus Mm. to see his people. Mm. And it's just a, a great illustration here of if you're measuring somebody, obviously that's judgment. Mm. I mean, that's really, really clear judgment right there. Mm. All right, uh, Revelation chapter, where are we, 11, why don't you go for, uh, give to us verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, The nations were filled with wrath. But now the time has come of you, now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name. From the least to the greatest, it is time to destroy all those who have caused destruction on the earth. Once again, I'm going to read it from my translation. You're going to see a few differences here. Mm-hmm. All right. The nations were angry and the time of your wrath is come. Mm-hmm. So the nations are angry mm-hmm. and the time of God's wrath has come. Mm-hmm. So that's our context. Let's stay with that. So there's anger amongst the nations. We understand that, right? Mm-hmm. So the nations are angry. Then we continue on. And uh, the time of the dead that they should be judged. So while the nations are angry, what is taking place? Uh, a judgment. A judgment. Mm-hmm. So this is before the return of Christ because there's no anger amongst the nations after the return of Christ. Yes. Uh, Millennium aside, you know, end of millennium aside. Um, Time of the the, the dead that they should be judged, and you should give reward to your servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to those that... So what comes before the reward? The judgment. Judgment comes before Mm -hmm. reward. We we talked about that before. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that reward is uh, eternal life. Mm -hmm. 
And then it continues on and uh, reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those which destroy the earth. He also says which cause destruction on the earth. Cause destruction on the earth. Uh, King James actually talks about destroying the earth itself. It's not mm. just destruction on the surface of the earth. It's just it's actually destroying the earth. Mm. Okay, so this is a really important uh, passage that we're looking at right here. And so when we look at it in context, we find that the destruction of the earth, the anger of the nations, or human beings destroying the earth, nations being angry, um, is all taking place before the judgment takes mm. place or while the judgment is taking place, and that the reward doesn't rewards are not handed out until the judgment takes mm. place. Okay, and then uh, verse 19. Uh, it continues, it says, Then in heaven the temple of God was opened and the Ark of the Covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. Okay, so what article of furniture is highlighted in context of the judgment? The Ark of the Covenant. And what was the purpose of the Ark of the Covenant? What was it there to contain? The law of God. And what relevance does that have to the judgment? Well, that's the standard by which you judge. Can't have a judgment without a law, can you? No way. If there is no law, there is no judgment. Yeah. It is as simple as that. Mm. And so many people today would try and do away with the law of God and nail it to the cross and say, you know, the the, the, cro- the law has been done away with, it's it's over, it's finished, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Well, you can't actually have a judgment without having a law. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a law, Jesus didn't need to die. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are, we're in Christmas time now, and we're just bringing it to you. But what we will bring you right now is some answers for the quiz today. Where did Jacob die? He died in Egypt. What did the the multitude of the heavenly host say to the shepherds? That answer was B, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards all men. What did the wise men follow to find Jesus? They followed a star. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? It was a multitude, very many angels. And finally, complete the phrase, every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. That was the questions. Those were the answers. But right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle. Uh, this is a question from Mark, and he asks, Regarding end times, Mark of God, be careful in preaching that it's honoring the Sabbath. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Okay, so that's kind of more of a statement than a question, but we'll do it as a question this mm. morning. What did you guys talk about yesterday, getting me into all kinds of trouble today? Hey, he, he said your name. Oh, he said my name? Yeah. Well, he actually, he didn't say your name, but I'm I'm. I'm that's what I bl- thought he didn't I'm say my name. I'm going to blame it on you. It was you and Blake yesterday. Mm. Okay, this is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so Jesus summarizes here uh, the Ten Commandments as being love to each other and love to God. The commandments, therefore, being all about love. And the inquiry here says, you know, be careful not to point out just one of those commandments as being the seal of the living God because all of them are important, which is true. 
But it is also true that one of them is the seal of the living God. Now, of course, we're talking about the seal of the living God. We're not talking about the seal of the Holy Spirit. Those are different seals. Uh, and if you've got questions on that, send that in for a for Lawson to answer next year. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> but no, this is a uh, an important Bible study we need to look at. And what we've got to ask ourselves the question is, okay, why does God single out the fourth commandment mm. to place his seal there? Why is this the only commandment where, you know, God says, uh, you know, for in six days the Lord made heaven, earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You don't find that in relationship to any of the other commandments, which simply th- say things like, you know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, etc. When you come to the fourth one, God specifically claims this particular day as his own and gives his name, t- attaches his name, title, and territory to that commandment. Why is he doing so? It, it helps us to understand it a little bit more if we maybe if we look at the bullseye that God has drawn on the world to sh- show what he considers to be most important. In our world, you know, you have the world, that's the outer ring of your bullseye. Then you have the Holy Land, the land of, uh, of Palestine. Uh, within the Holy Land, you have the Holy City, that's Jerusalem. Within the Holy City, you have the Holy Mountain. On the Holy Mountain, you have the Holy Temple. When you've got the Holy Temple, you've got the Holy Place, and then you've got the Most Holy Place, and then you've got the centerpiece of the Most Holy Place, which is the Holy Ark of God. You've got the centerpiece of the Holy Ark of God, which is the Holy Law of God, and the centerpiece of the Holy Law of God is the Sabbath. So God is zeroing our attention in to show us what he considers to be so important. And so the question is, out of all of the Ten Commandments, why would God single this one out as being the most important? And the answer is, it is because of the neutral nature of this commandment. Mm. So, for instance, uh, thou shalt not kill. It's obvious why we shouldn't go around killing people, and everybody kind of agrees you shouldn't kill people, right? It's obvious why you shouldn't steal. It's obvious why you shouldn't commit adultery. There are very real consequences to doing those kinds of things. You look at your first three commandments. If God is God, if God actually exists, if there is a, you know, a massively all-powerful supernatural being in space that can affect our world, mm. then it makes sense that you don't go around calling him names and, uh, you know, making images of him mm. and, you know, uh, etc. and having other gods. Mm. That makes sense. When it comes to the Sabbath, though, God's just like, oh, once a week I want you to keep the Sabbath on the seventh day, on Saturday. And it's like, well, what difference does that make to anything, anywhere? Mm. And that's the whole point. Because when we obey God because it makes a difference and because it makes sense and there is a logical, reasonable, visible reason why we should obey God, we're not actually obeying God. We're actually just doing things that make sense. That's not obedience. Mm. Obedience to God and actual worship is when you give unquestioning obedience. Mm. And the Sabbath is the only commandment that reveals unquestioning obedience. Because one day is like another, but when we follow God, we make one day special. We have come to the end of the show. I'm kind of glad about that because my painkillers are just Wearing out. Crashing yeah. me right now. Lyle's, Lyle's drugs are, are wearing off, so, you know. For those who missed the news, I, I'm not as smart as I was. I've lost a wisdom tooth. <laughs> and we are so ashamed that we couldn't keep the tooth and, you know, auction it off. Auction off your wisdom. 
It would have been well, great. I, I, I should have thought of that and I probably could have kept it. You blundered. Anyway, I did have a look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nasty looking thing. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. All right, as you go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.